All right, all right, all right. What's up, Jolyn? How are you doing? You're muted, so. <laughs> like I was saying, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. And welcome, everybody, to Executive Education, where we get to go a little bit of a deep dive into a subject that, you know, I've been hearing floating around and a lot of folks have been asking me a lot of questions about. So I felt like it was necessary for us to do an executive education uh, lesson today. What do you think, Jolyn? I'm so down. Like, I'm so down. Okay. So tonight we talk about this number. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is correct. We talk about $31.46 trillion. I wish I had the Dr. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. So if you, if you, yeah. So if you saw the, like the, you know, pretty much the cover, then you know, we're talking about today, the national debt and what that's looking like. Cause a lot of times we talk about the federal reserve and their interest rate hikes. And then of course we talk about inflation. And then of course we talk about taxes and all these great wow. things. But then the one thing that we're not really talking about is the debt ceiling and the national debt and how that also plays a role into the entire equation of this conversation. So we felt like we would be doing y'all a huge disservice if we didn't talk about it. And I think that there's gonna be some parallels that, we'll, that we may even be able to draw, but we're gonna try to make this episode nice and brief for y'all, keep it short, just so that way you guys know that, you know, pretty much um, what my thoughts are on AMD, because I know that a lot of folks are probably wondering about the earnings from AMD and Uber. Uh, mm -hmm. To well, wrap it up very quickly, Spark Notes, <laughs> congratulations, Uber. Did a great job on this. Yeah, congratulations, Uber. Great job on the services number. As we start to see that the economy is starting to come back slightly, then of course you're going to take some of that into services revenue. My eyes are really interested in seeing exactly what's that going to look like for Lyft in the future. But you know, hey, that's a whole nother situation. And then on top of that, AMD PC sales are definitely still weak as demand is definitely not there yet. And so again, when you start to see corporate spending start to return as well as consumer spending, then you're probably going to see that hit the space. But I don't think that there's anything really interesting there. And I really want to see what happens with Xilinx. You know, when does that really start to take shape, form and fashion for AMD? But as it stands for right now, it's really the inventory is the number as well as the what we saw in the guidance. So if you look at those things, they guided kind of, it was kind of below Wall Street estimates as well as not really hitting those markers as it pertains to what everybody expected. And then of course, seeing slowdown in PC sales. So that's pretty much AMD's earnings in a nutshell. And of course, uh, Uber, great job on, like I said, the services business as it pertains to their Uber Eats, as well as like their, their consumer freight, like where they're consumer shipping. So they have to thank you for that, Mark. I yeah, need a hey, you know, if you are you are out here stimulating the economy. So by all means, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So all right, let's you ready to get into this uh into this uh yeah. this this so oh by the way, so if you want to, you can follow along right along with us because today we are taking this straight from the source from the uh, treasury.gov fiscal data uh website. So if you wanted to check that out, by all means go ahead and follow along with us. I'll, I'll just give some of our commentary in between. Um, but again, let's look at that number. So that way it sits there, you know, 31 trillion, 457 billion, 398 million, 888,000 or 880,000 uh, and $450. <laughs> 
Now that'd be so funny if they added incense, but that would just be so like that would be petty. That would be really petty. <laughs> that would be petty. All right. So let's talk about it. Cause you know, a lot of folks are like, well, you know, national debt. So this is the amount of money that the federal government has borrowed to cover the outstanding balance of expenses incurred over time. So when you think about fiscal years, right? So every fiscal year they're spending, so aka the money for roads and bridges and all those things. You've heard that speech before. Um, and when that exceeds the revenue, aka the money that you receive from federal income income tax and all those types of things like Medicare, and we'll get into those things in a little bit, there's a deficit. So to keep it simple for everybody, uh, there's a nice little diagram at the bottom where it says, you know, year one, if your revenue is $400 and year two, your revenue is $600, so about $1,000. But then your spending in year one is $500 and your spending in year two is $800, then you have spent $1,300. And then that leaves you at a deficit of 300 because in the first year you had negative 100 and negative 200 equaling 300. So you're $300 in debt. So it's no different than you using, say, for example, credit card debt and all those other types of things. Same exact ways uh, exist on the federal side. So to pay for this deficit, the federal government borrows money by selling marketable securities such as treasury bonds, bills, notes, floating rate notes and treasury inflation uh, protected securities, a.k.a. known as TIPS. The national debt is accumulated uh, for of this borrowing, uh, along with associated uh, interest owed to investors who purchase the, the security. So, I mean, simply put, I mean, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. It's like when you don't make enough <laughs> and you're still spending, when your spending is higher than what you make, then essentially you're at a deficit. Uh, simple rules. Of, if you think about family family budgets, it's the same thing. Right. When you look at it across the board. So. The funding and programs, right? The programs and services. So, you know, interesting thing is it's built into five categories when we look at the amount of spending uh, or the funding that takes place. And these are the things in which that when we look at it politically, I always say like the reason why I don't really partake in political conversations because I don't really get into the rhetoric as it pertains to the ideals or ideologies and all that other stuff. But the things that I can, you know, pay attention to are the areas as it pertains to where the money goes. So, and that's really where, most voters really, when they think about where they're voting or where where they go in the ballot sheet, they vote where their interest is. And so, and it's really, it tends to boil down to those five uh, major categories of spending. But let's get a little bit deeper into it. So federal government needs to borrow money to pay its bills when its ongoing spending activities and investments cannot be funded by federal revenues alone. So decreases in federal revenue are largely due to either a decrease in tax rates or individuals or corporations making less money. Now, if you think about it, like, you know, corporations this year, ask yourself, and I want to know what people think in the chat. Do you think that corporations will be making more or less money in 2022 or in 2023? And same thing for regular individuals, everyday people. Do you think that they're making more or do you think that they're making less in 2023? Just either write more or less in the chat. All right. So when we think about it, decreases in federal revenue coupled with increased government spending further increases a deficit. All right. So what are those five categories? Glad you asked. So these are the five areas as it pertains to spending that normally transpire uh, within the United States government. So income security supports programs such as unemployment compensation, all that other good stuff and employment, employee retirement, disability, food and nutritional assistance. And we saw a lot of this, you know, really transpired during COVID-19. Like this was very heavy. Um, and then, of course, we have social security programs for beneficiaries, including retirement, disability insurance and supplemental security income payments. All right. And then when we look at health, uh, supports spending programs for related health care services and health research and training in consumer and occupational health and safety. 
Then, of course, national defense supports spending related to military and defense related activities. And then finally, we have Medicare, which supports spending programs providing health insurance for people uh, such as those age 65 or older and certain younger people with disabilities. So, you know, these are typically the most debated areas in which that where you look at any political platform that where people typically pay attention to. So I would tend to say, like, if you're going to be paying attention to anything, pay attention to these five main categories, because this is really where it's going to tell you. Um, now, here's another poll that I want to take with everybody in the chat. <laughs> Which one of these do you think? You ready for this, Jolyn? Yeah, I'm ready. Which one of these categories out of the five well, would Lord. Say the, United spend, the United States spends the most of? Go ahead and write that in the chat. Which one of these five is the number one area in which the United States spends the most? So we got in income security, social security, health, national defense, or Medicare. Which one is the most? Um, looking at the last poll or the last question mark, it looks like it's a pretty even split between more and less. And then yep. I just want to shout out Chief Motivation because he, he um, became a civil engineer today. Yeah. And he's making more money. So he's not hey. in the category. <laughs> oh, what was it? <laughs> confetti, confetti. <laughs> All right. All right. So okay. I see, let's, I see a trend, Mark, for the. Indeed. The, yep. So yep. We, we see that there's national defense is the number one. So people are saying that national defense is the number one. We'll come back to that. So. Growing national debt, right? So when U.S. carried has carried uh, debt since its inception. So if you think about 1776, since 1776, the United States has been in debt since the beginning of time. So dating all the way back to the American Revolutionary uh, War, amounting to, just think about this, $75 million, January 1st, 1791. Wow. But <laughs> and over the next four years, go ahead. Worth, but how much was that? Exactly. In today's dollars, you know? Well, I mean, you have to, I mean, that somebody needs to put that into like current inflation data. And then essentially that will spit out a whole different number. I mean, because that was different. But then over the next 45 years, the debt continued to grow until 1835, when it notably shrank due to the sale of federally owned lands and cuts to the federal budget. So that was like the, like, <laughs> that was it. So wait, let's put this into context. Because it said federally owned land. Mm-hmm. So that was the U.S. government committing genocide and atrocities to take land that was already, quote unquote, owned. I mean, if you want to even use that word and yep. then selling it in order to get out of like to lower the debt. But it's like we cannot yes. let context slip away from us. Because context, told. people, yes. context, people saves lives. Goodness. Anyway. All right. So (laughs) context and commas save lives. All right. So shortly thereafter, an economic depression uh, caused the debt to gain again uh, into the millions. The debt grew over 4000 percent through the course of the American Civil War, increasing from 65 million to 860 or to 18 in 1860 to 1 billion in 1863. So this is right before Reconstruction and then around 2.7 billion shortly after the conclusion of the war in 1865 when the reconstruction started. So just think about it from two years, we went from $1 billion to $2.7 billion. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And the great, and, and the debt grew steadily in the 20, uh, into the 20th century and was roughly 22 billion after the country financed its involvement in world war one. So, and then, so this kind of like gives you a little bit of context here. So the U S uh, national debt, over the last 100 years. So since 1922, so to put it into perspective, in 1922, $408 billion uh, of pretty much 
of debt of national debt. And then as of 2023, uh, we're at thirty one point four trillion dollars in debt. <laughs> it's like the, like if you really want to look at the if you really want to look at the overall like the greatest bull market, then look at look no further. Look at that chart. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about it. The trends over time. Right. So when we look at it, you know, federal debt trends over time, the last time that we were actually at a place in which that we were somewhat at a low mm-hmm. was 1981. Uh-oh, and that, that was a, a debt to GDP was 32%. Now, since then, in 2022, mm-hmm. debt to GDP is at 124%. So we're well above. Yeah. But if you think about it, you know, we kind of crossed that 100 marker after I think it was 2013. After, after 2013, yeah, we we went well above 100% as it pertains to jet, debt to GDP. So again, very much so interesting. But, you know, so should I give them a visualization of what debt looks like? Of, yeah, of that $31 trillion, yes. Yeah. So imagine <laughs> if this one square, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll zoom it in for everybody. Or I'll, I'll remove us off of the screen for a second. Okay, make it big. And yes. Oh, 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 okay, there we go. So imagine if this is one square equals one billion. And this equals one trillion right underneath it. So 100, squ- 100 uh, squares drawn to scale, right? To equal mm-hmm. one trillion. That means that today's total debt at $31.5 trillion is 31,457 squares. It's like you can't even conceptualize. <laughs> <laughs> what it looks like that's crazy that's a lot <laughs> that's a whole lot of that's a lot <laughs> um yeah that's a lot like you know somebody that's like somebody saying look man i ain't got it but i could put something on it <laughs> okay so let's break down the debt shall we so national debt is composed of distinct uh distinct of distinct types of debt. So similar to an individual whose debt consists of a mortgage, car loan, and credit cards, national debt can be broken in, uh, down by whether it's non-marketable or marketable, uh, or you know, pretty much debt held by the public or the debt held by the government. Now, here's where it gets very much so interesting because the visual below represents the 2013 uh, fiscal year and then our fiscal year to date. So we're still not even done yet. But this is our fiscal year to date as it pertains to, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, or calendar year to date. Um, 2023 versus 2013. So here's some perspective. So, and so when we look at uh, intergovern intergovernmental, so that comprised of the debt that one part of the U.S. federal government owes to another part. This represents cases where Social Security, Medicare, and other federal programs collect more revenue than they need in a year, and then they purchase Treasury debt for trust funds. Yeah, and then of course. The public debt, as you know, we all know, um, would be again, you know, pretty much as it said, consists of all national debt held by any person or entity that is not a U.S. federal government agency. So I guess that kind of like puts it all there for you. So look at the differentiation, though. So intergovernmental holdings in 2013 was at four and four point eight five trillion, and then here we are in 2023. It represents six point seven six. But the debt held by the public in 2013 was 11.92 and now 24.69 trillion dollars held by, you know what, all of us. We're all in this together. <laughs> it's funny, like, we're all in this together. Yeah. All right. So, and, th- and that's the part where we think about it. So debt held by the public has increased by 107% since 2013 versus 39% by intergovernmental holdings. <laughs> the imbalance. So, 
when we think about maintaining it, right? And so when we look at the interest rate and total debt, right? So fiscal year 2022, total debt was at 30.9. Uh, so you know, pretty much almost $31 trillion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were at an interest rate of 2.07. Now, most of the time, we typically have kept interest rates low over time. So so when interest rates remain low over time, uh, interest ex- expense and the debt paid by the federal government will remain stable. So it pretty much remains okay, even as the federal debt increases. But as an interest rates increase, and so as interest rates increase, the cost of maintaining the national debt also increases. So what does that mean? So as of March of 2023, it costs 385, it's pretty much almost close to $385 billion to maintain the debt, which is 12% of the total federal spending. So again, when we start having these conversations about like, okay, hey, the debt and everything else, but you have to look at the, you have to look at the rate in which that they're paying it at. So Mm -hmm. that represents 12% of the entire spending on the federal side which is crazy. 2% of 31. Just imagine this 2% of 31 and a half trillion dollars. Somebody do the math. Fine. What is, what is 2%? What would be the monthly payment? If let's say (laughs) the federal interest rate is at uh, the interest rate for paying back is 2%. And at the same token, your debt is 31 and a half. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate you. All right. So why can't the government just print more money? Right. Because we should just print like money printing got us into the position we're in today, uh, says one of the one of the folks in the chat. So mm-hmm. while the Treasury prints the actual dollar bills, printing money is also a term that is sometimes used to describe a means of monetary policy. Hmm. So we got the Treasury and then, of course, we got the Federal Reserve, which is conducted by the Federal Reserve. All right. So monetary policy includes controlling the supply of money and the cost of borrowing. So the Federal Reserve uses monetary policy to promote maximum employment, stable prices. Remember that dual mandate thing? That's where that is. And moderate long-term interest rates on behalf of Congress. The federal government uses fiscal policy for the control of taxation and government spending to promote economic activity. So, Mark, when Uncle Earth, excuse me, not Uncle, I was about to say Uncle Charles, when Cousin Chuck from the Federal Reserve visit visited us on the show, yep. Um, yep. he talked a lot about you know, the creation of the Federal Reserve and all that. So for those that want more information, um, check out that episode with um, Cousin Chuck. Yep. All right. So um, and pretty much like we just said, the debt ceiling or debt limit is a restriction imposed by Congress and the amount of outstanding national debt that the federal government can have. So let's let's just quickly do a quick breakdown before we go a little bit further into this, shall we? Yeah. So when we look at a, a breakdown of this. OK, so. You guys know that, like, you know, budgets have to be submitted to the federal government by September 30th. So if you ever notice about why does the market get kind of like finicky around August, September, um, it's typically around that time that, you know, pretty much budgets are getting prepared. They're getting ready to be submitted. And then essentially we'll be receiving a new budget from the federal government come time in you know, November or something will be proposed. And then essentially it's voted on into the new year. And then that, that budget is now in place. Now, here's how it works. Essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jolyn. Um, mm-hmm. So essentially, if you have this budget, it's going to be paid for regardless. It's going to be paid for. Now, if there, if we've reached a ceiling, so the debt ceiling is the amount that the treasury can borrow to pay the bills that have become due and pay for future investments. Once the debt ceiling is reached, the federal government cannot increase the amount of outstanding debt 
losing the ability to pay bills and fund programs and services. However, the Treasury can use extraordinary measures authorized by Congress to temporarily suspend certain intergovernmental debt, allowing it to borrow to fund programs or services for a limited amount of time after it has reached the ceiling. Now, remember that number where we were talking about intergovernmental, where it was at once upon a time 4.9, and I think it's at now 6.4 trillion. Mm-hmm. That's Something from that. Pay attention to. There you go. So since the United States has never defaulted on its obligations, the scope of negative repercussions and everything else, but how is it different from a government shutdown? So government shutdowns occur when annual funding for ongoing federal government operations expire. So that means that, okay, hey, we've expired. We have no new budget. There's nothing. So essentially money cannot be dispersed. Which was- Congress doesn't, we saw that earlier. Mm -hmm. We we saw that earlier. Now, when we talk about government, like say, for example, when we talk about debt ceiling, that's a matter of like, okay, hey, the other stuff, the bills, the stuff in which that literally keeps the lights on for the United States government. Yeah, those are the things. Think about it like if you were looking at your bills, right? And you said your budget is- X amount. And then you see that you spent way more than your budget would allow for. Then you kind of raise the debt. You would raise the debt ceiling so that you would have enough money to um, pay off all those old bills that you've incurred. And then like any like future spending until the next time, you know, when your next budget is going to be. So we've how many we've raised like the debt ceiling at least 100 times, at least 100 times, at least. So that means every time the debt ceiling is raised, it's like, OK, well, we got to pay these bills. We just spend all this money. We need to pay these bills. And then plus whatever is going to come up in the future. Yeah. So revenue, because like we talked about the basic overview. Right. So let's get into the weeds a little bit. So, for example, how much revenue has the United States government collected this year? Government revenue is income received from taxes and other sources to pay the government expenditures, uh, aka expenses. The U.S. government has collected two, pretty much $2.05 trillion so far in fiscal year 2023. Now, well, that's down, that's $74 billion, that's seven, $74 billion, which means that we're 3% down from previous. So compared to the f- uh, federal uh, revenue of $2.12 trillion from the same period last year, Mm-hmm. Federal res- federal revenue has decreased by $74 billion. Well, and we okay. know where the revenue comes from. Yep. So now let's look at it. So here is the sources of revenue for the United States government fiscal year to date. So as it stands, currently right now, individual income taxes makes up one point. Uh, so pretty much 50% of total revenue. And then, of course, when we look at Social Security and Medicare taxes, you know, those things that they add on when you're getting your, I think it's when you get your, your W-2 paycheck or, you know, whatever it is. Then essentially that they take that out. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, corporate income taxes, which is astounding to me. It's like $140 billion of revenue, uh, which is 7% of the total revenue here in the United States. What's and then, of course, we have other things. <laughs> What's Listen. going on? What's going on? What is going on? I don't know. <laughs> I, guess, I guess everybody should be a corporation. <laughs> but then again, it's like. But, you know, collecting taxes and everything else that covers schools and everything else and all those other types of programs. So, you know, it's kind of funny because there's a city out here called Medina, which is also known as Billionaire's Town or Billionaire City. You know, pretty much if you look at all the folks in whom which that live across the water here in Washington or like pretty much on the east side of, of Seattle, mm-hmm. then pretty much like they're the most wealthiest in the world. The problem is at the same time, if you look at their roads, their roads are trash and everything else. Why? I'm gonna get over there in a minute. Look, listen, you don't want to take you don't want I'm to take a galactic. galactic. Yeah. You, you ain't taking galactic over there. 
Um, but essentially their roads are trash because of the fact that they do very good job as it pertains to maintaining, you know, recouping from taxes. But then at the same token, it doesn't go into paying the city of Medina, which I think there was a report that the city of Medina was also possibly looking to go bankrupt. So yeah, it's a whole nother other, a whole nother situation. Wait, but Mark, before right. we move on, before we move on. So did yes. you hear about the IRS like um looking to ex um expand its job force so to go after more taxes? Yes, like, I think it was eighty like, billion dollars. Yeah, something like that. Dollars. So to collect it. So they're not gonna be going after corporations, they're gonna be going after individuals. Yes. So that's more audits. So y'all make sure you tune in tomorrow on the come up series for um, Abby and Christopher Bush's show all about taxes yes. and wealth planning. <laughs> Indeed. So let's talk about spending because remember that question that I had asked before? Yeah. Where does the spending, how much has the United States government spent this year? All well, right. they all well, said, we, Mark, they all said national defense. I didn't see any other. I saw mainly national defense. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Right. said something else. Um, you were correct. I wish I had the poll running for, you know. I know. I know. You know, we'll work on that where we can actually get like on screen visual polls happening. But that's for a whole nother day. All right. So U.S. government spending, uh, had, U.S. spent. $3.15 trillion in fiscal year uh, 2023 to ensure the well-being of the people of the United States. So pretty much we are up. Now, last year, we spent $2.79 trillion. All right, so over the same period. So we're up $359 billion as it pertains to spending. So 13%. So let's get into it because I think that this is going to like literally look at it as it pertains to the spending category. So what does the government buy and where, do, where does the government spend, right? And everybody thinks that essentially that it's the national defense and where we're spending. Well, <laughs> if you said national defense, you're all wrong. <laughs> the number one area in category, the top 10 spending by category and agency uh, is Social Security. So when we look at Social Security is first, health is, fifth, is second, uh, right close to income security and then national defense coming in at fourth and then right there with Medicare tied for fourth. Um, and then of course, education, training, employment, and social services. Now, of course we have veteran benefits and services as well as other government or general government, but here's where it gets interesting. Cause I need you guys all to look at the dollars. Mm -hmm. So let's, and so somebody said was close, right? Well, let's find out. All right. So <laughs> social security was $1.2 trillion or $1.22 trillion. Health was just shy of a trillion, just shy of a trillion. And then income security was just shy of 900 uh, trillion or 900 billion. Mm -hmm. And then national defense was 767. That's like an airplane. But I mean, $767 billion for national defense. Now, of course, we have Medicare at 755. And then, of course, education training at 677 billion. And then, of course, net interest at uh, 475. So it's kind of interesting as it pertains to where is it that the money has been spent? And then, of course, what agency has received the most? So Department of Defense has received 727. Veteran Affairs has received uh, 274. And then, of course, if you want to, you can say Homeland Security at 81. But either way, if you add those up, it still will probably not reach the still the number one, which was at 1.64 trillion of Department and Health and Human Services. Now, a part of this is also takes taken into consideration you know, COVID-19, some of those things have started to wear off at the early part of the year. So they kind of rolled in. But again, that's where we get wait, into the, wait, the go back to yep. spending right quick, Mark. Yes. OK, and look at that little miscellaneous. The one oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, where we look at the miscellaneous or other um, other eight billion dollars. 
<laughs> what is that other? What's going on? What is that other? I don't know. You ever but, have you a know, line item that says other or miscellaneous $8 billion? Listen, I don't know. Okay. So then what is the national deficit? So we're at currently we're up 65% at $1.1 uh, trillion. Mm-hmm. So pretty much revenue. Uh, when revenue is lower, then you have a surplus. When you have a budget, a balanced budget, which we haven't seen since I think the Clinton days. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a balanced budget, then that's revenue and spending. And so they're, they're pretty much equal. And then of course you have a deficit when your spending is way more than your revenue that is coming in. So that's naturally what happens. And so the federal government has run deficits for the last 20 years. Now, when we think about budget, balanced budget, sometimes the term balanced budget is used more broadly to refer to instances where there is no deficit. So just keep that in mind. And then surplus, the last surplus for the federal government was in 2001. Well, before- And we all know what happened in 2001. Yes, unfortunately. Okay, so um, now this is all very interesting because now if we think of this from the political Mm -hmm. lens or political Mm -hmm. um, perspective, this is always turned into a a partisan like uh, bargaining or debate rather yep. where we have Republicans versus yep. Democrats and the Republicans want to cut that spending down. And so they'll use this opportunity because this happens all the time. So they'll use this opportunity to try and gain um, secession or concessions from the opposing party, the Democrats or whatever. Um, and so on May 9th, uh, President Biden has invited um what's his name? McCarthy? McCarthy? McCarthy. Over, yeah, over to talk about like what we're going to do to raise this debt ceiling. And so there's always going to be like this back and forth. So when you look at um, the spending areas, most of the time they want to, the Republicans want to cut Social Security, Medicare, like those are the areas that they want to cut. And the Democrats are usually like, no, we can't cut that, you know, And then it always ties back to what are the promises you made to your constituents that got you elected in the first place. But then, Mark, when we look at like how the spending is broken down, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, could we shave a little off of Social Security? (laughs) Like what would be the impact of that versus the impact of, you know, shaving money off from um, or reducing spending or cutting back in the national defense side? Because it's like. It could be conflicting when you really think about it, because it's like we need national defense to maintain our interests abroad. Right. And yep. this is me just putting on like this objective hat, you know, um, to maintain our interests abroad. But then you also think about the spending back home and it starts, you know, it. I don't envy them trying to figure out how they're going to do what. But, you know, they're going to raise the debt ceiling. They have to. It's just a matter of what's going to be given up yep. to make it happen. And that's where we say the debt is at pretty much 31, close to 31 and a half trillion dollars. Like that's where, that's where, that's where it really comes down to. Yeah. 31 trillion, 31 and a half trillion. What about real time? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, I think they update it on a daily basis. So this gets updated daily. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, if we want to look at a little bit deeper, I mean, there's some resources here, but, you know, pretty much great thing from Alexander Hamilton, which if you notice, like he was one of the major folks that set up the financial system and also the New York Stock Exchange. But Mm -hmm. the necessity of borrowing in particular emergencies cannot be doubted. So on the other, uh, it is equally evident that to be able to borrow upon good terms, it is essential that the credit of of the nation 
should be well established. And then Benjamin Franklin said, rather go to bed without dinner than to rise in debt. <laughs> so two conflicting you know, mm -hmm. sources. Oh, I think it. the biggest, I, th I think the biggest thing to look at though mm -hmm. is, you know, you know, and, and it's like a lot of times it's like, you know, we try to attach ideologies and everything else to it. It's like, you know, let's let's remove the ideologies and let's just get straight to the data. I mean, the data is really where it matters. And essentially, it's like you feel it also as it pertains to the data. Like, you know, when we look at the, the rising in spending, you know, those things also play a role into rising inflation. You know, when you look at, say, for example, if a if a city or a town goes from making $50,000 a year to then the average, everybody's making $100,000 a year. You know, what do you think happens to the goods and services in that area? Increases. They're naturally going to increase. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is what happens when they rise so fast, you know, then as much as they rise fast, you know, those other, those other areas in which that are significantly impact will also rise. Now, of course, the other part that I think that a lot of folks probably miss for a hot second is, you know, everybody's just like, well, we'll never pay this down. Probably not. <laughs> we don't know. We <laughs> maybe we going. will. Maybe we won't. The biggest question is, is that, again, will the United States default? And here's the interesting stat that I think Uncle Charles had brought up in the chat. Never. The United States over this course period of time in its illustrious history, or if, if you want to call it illustrious, um, has never defaulted on a loan or on its on its on its on its debts. So. That's an interesting thing to partake in. So they never had a foreclosure or anything like that. They've always been on time for payments. So the question is, does history still repeat or is this just like the sum of things in which that you know we impact? Now, of course, let's just say hypothetically, if that happens, what happens to the United States? Um, then that can have a major issue as it pertains to the United States credit rating. You know, mm -hmm. it's global credit rating across you know the world. Then, of course, that gets impacted because now it's like you have something in which that you've defaulted and other countries have defaulted as well. But essentially, look what happens after countries have defaulted. And when it looks when we look at it in history, so um, the economy is impacted. Yep. Financial markets are impacted. Yep. Anywhere else? Um, I mean, you have to remember in the in the globalized economy, we're impacted. You know, as it pertains to what type of business, as it pertains to trade, those types of things. What happens? You know, countries will be like, you defaulted, so I may need a little bit more upfront. You know, just to make sure that you're good on this one. Um, in my humble opinion, I don't think that the United States government is going to get to a place of default. I mean, there is the conversation of, I think we have till January 1st. And then of, of course the treasury is like, Janet Yellen's like, Hey, the last line of defense you have till January, I think it's 11th. So I'm probably sure that we'll probably see some type of resolve that takes place around that point in time um, as we get closer towards the wire. So just for perspective, but just understand as we go into an election year, the things that are going to matter are the areas in which that the government spends and then also the areas in which that revenue comes in. And that's pretty much it. That was a breakdown. <laughs> Yay. So that was only eight minutes past our, our goal time. Yeah. So yeah. we're trying something new, everybody, just so that way, you know, you're here along with us. We're trying something new here at the Come Up Series where we're trying to make the information digestible as well as also short on time because we also understand that we got cousins overseas as well as cousins on the East Coast. And we want to make sure that you're able to get to bed and everything else without having to stay up and, you know, worry about, okay, hey, did you miss the Come Up Series or not? So we're going to try this on for 30 minute episodes. Let us know in the comments down below. Did you like it? And also, if you have questions, go ahead and drop them in there. 
And if you like the video, go ahead and hit the like button and share it with a few folks and see if this also explains a few things for folks in whom we should have conversations at the space table or, you know, just at the regular dinner table. Um, and without further ado, Jolyn, you got any other words? Good night. It's dinner time. Yeah. And butter is knocked out. So Butter's on that note, <laughs> thank you all for rocking with us. And this has been an, uh, an edition of Executive Education. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace, y'all. Thank you.